Happy Friday, everyone. Welcome back to Legally Speaking WTF, except this week we're going to do something completely different. We had Troy back out at the last minute, which <laughs> figures get a little nervous when Liz is in the room, but we're going to do Legally Speaking without Troy Foster this week. He's busy, but we have Liz here to talk about everything HR so this is a pretty interesting opportunity. We don't have Troy here, and a couple episodes ago, we were talking about April Fool's pranks, and he was talking about the difference between his perspective on pranks in the workplace and yours. We're going to get into your perspective on what we talked about in that episode, but Liz, can you tell me a little bit more about what we're going to be speaking about in general today? Yeah, I think we're going to go into the interview process and what that process looks like really not only for from the employer perspective perspective, but also from the employee perspective and kind of helping people to prepare for what that might entail. Fantastic. Well, I mean, I don't know about yourself, Liz, but it looks like things are starting to open up a little bit in the pandemic. It looks like there might be a light at the end of the tunnel. So interview tactics and being properly prepared hopefully will become uh, a big thing as the economy bounces back. Again, this is all hopefully. But uh, I'm looking forward to speaking with you. Again, we're here without Troy Foster, so anything can happen. We look forward to talking to you guys in just a second. Welcome back, guys. This week, we're going to be cutting away to yet another clip from The Office, which has become our go-to on this podcast, mostly because it's hilarious and so on point. But we're going to look at the manager interviews when Michael leaves and they're looking for a new manager and how wild some of those interviews are. So let's take a peek at that and we'll be right back. I have left Dunder Mifflin after many record-breaking years, and I am officially on the job market, and it's very exciting. For your convenience, I've broken it down into three parts. Professional resume, athletic and special skills resume, and Dwight Schrute trivia. I am ready to face any challenges that might be foolish enough to face me. How would I describe myself? Three words. Hardworking, alpha male, jackhammer, merciless, insatiable. There's nothing on my horizon except everything. Everything is on my horizon. How many windows are there in New York City? What? Critical thinking. Comment on the spot question asked in an interview. Okay, uh, let me think. Are you counting car windows? No. How far away is the sun? Uh, 93 million miles. Is it? Yeah. And the diameter of the sun is 870,000 miles, which makes it 109 times wider than the Earth, and 333,000 times heavier than the Earth. Shut up about the sun! Shut up about the sun! All right. Name? Dwight Schrute. Thank you, Mr. Schnute. We will let you know. You have to interview me. I just did. The answer to that one question told me everything I need to know. I demand more questions. All right, guys, good day. A lot of candidates. Let's discuss. Okay, if you're not going to interview me, then I'll do it. Yes. What will be your first priority? I will have seven first priorities. Safety, profits, fostering a community of self-reliance and entrepreneurship, listening, respect for human life bolstering our public image, and getting everyone home on time. You'll be hearing from us shortly, Mr. Schrute. And I think you're going to like the call you're going to receive. Oh, come on. I'm just happy that I got this meeting. 
<laughs> Alright guys, I mean this is a pretty clear example of kind of the wide range of interviewees there are in an interview process. Liz, I'm sure you've met quite a few people in the interview specific process. Can you tell me just a little bit about your experience interviewing people? And <laughs> I mean I get nervous for interviews. I'm I'm a young guy, but what are some of the some of the crazy things you've seen with uh, interviewees? Um, I, you know, I don't think that's crazy. I think everyone gets nervous during an interview. I've seen seasoned professionals who have been in an industry for 20 plus years. And when you're sitting in front of a group of sometimes three or four people, it's intimidating. And I think that that's totally normal. So, I mean, of course, people are nervous when it comes down to job interviews. I mean, it's a pretty big deal. Everyone everyone gets a little stressed when they know that uh, their career's on the line or the job's on the line. But I've been told, and uh, a candid saying that most people know is prior preparation prevents piss poor performance. Can you tell me what are some of the best ways to correctly prepare for a job interview? Maybe not to come off as robotic, if that makes sense. Sure. The big thing for me that I always let applicants know or the advice that I would give, first of all, know who you're going to be interviewing with. I think that's really important that you are prepared for who you're going to be meeting with and you know their roles within an organization. The other thing, which seems fairly simple, but I think it's important to touch on, leave yourself plenty of time to get to the interview. The process of interviewing is stressful enough without, on top of it, feeling as though you have a time constraint or you are running late or let's say can't find the building that you need to be at. So prepare for that beforehand so that you don't add to your stress on the interview day. Beyond that, one of the big things that a lot of organizations are going to is this behavioral-based interviewing. So they're not looking for you to say how you would handle a situation. They really want to hear how you have handled the situation in the past. Because as an employer, the best indicator for how you're going to conduct yourself within a role is to hear how you did it in a previous position or at a previous organization. What I always tell people is go into an interview with a number of different scenarios of things that you've done at your past positions that will help to speak to how you would conduct yourself at a future position. I think that's really important. And then lastly, I always tell people an interview is kind of the one time where you should be bragging about yourself because you're there to sell yourself as an applicant. And it's okay for you to highlight the positive things that you've done or the accolades that you've received previously. I know we as as people, that feels somewhat awkward because it's not something that we would feel comfortable doing in our personal life. But during an interview, I always say that's the time That's the time that it is okay for you to be um, bragging. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, I think confidence is very important when it comes to the interview process. Just coming off as you know what you're doing. Most people, when they're looking to hire someone, they're looking for uh, experience to show what, they, uh, what they've done and uh, why they're qualified to move into that position. So when it comes to the other side of the table, obviously, like we just said, you got to be confident, be prepared when you're being interviewed. But what are some of the what are some of the ways that which employers are going to have lines of questioning or what is it like to be on the other side of the table? What are some of the what are some of the things employers are looking for when you conduct an interview? 
So I think the big thing from an employer perspective to ensure a successful interview is to make sure that you are tailoring the questions to the specific position that you're interviewing for. What I always advise employers to not do is to just have a set of 10 questions that they use for each applicant who walks through the door. Each position is so specific within an organization, and there really are different needs and qualifications to each role that I think it's important to make sure you as an employer are tailoring the interview to the position that you're hiring for, and even the specific needs at any given time for that position. So you might have an administrative assistant position where at the beginning of the year, you're using a specific set of questions that really fit where the position is at that time, those questions could change six months later because maybe you determine, you know what, the needs of the group have changed. So we need to make sure that we're tailoring the questions to kind of follow that change. Yeah. And so in terms of what you're really looking for, I mean, these interview processes have become more extensive with multiple rounds nowadays, but what are you really looking for in applicants? I mean, you're given a sh- realistically a pretty short amount of time to meet someone and entrust them with taking on responsibility of your company. What are some of the main things that you look for? Is it understanding of the field? Is it the way that they answer the questions? Like if that if that question makes sense, what what are you looking for in applicants when you do this process? The biggest thing for me as an interviewer we do only have a a small amount of time with this person, right? So there's only so much that we can can understand from an hour-long interview. What I want to see is the things that I'm looking for this person to come into my organization and do, have they been able to do that at past organizations? That's one of the reasons why that behavioral-based interviewing is so big. And I want to be able to see not just hey, here's how I would handle this scenario. I want you to tell me specifically how you did handle that scenario where you currently are working or at a past job. So, I mean, as we mentioned, it the interview process is an incredibly short amount of time to meet someone and to decide if they're going to be a great fit for the role itself in your company. So is, is that it? I mean, you interview someone, you like how they answer the questions, they seem prepared, they seem ready to go boom, they're a part of the company. I mean, I know onboarding processes, but what are some of the, what are some of the next steps before you, before you find that perfect fit for your company from the interview process to that part? So I think the most important thing, probably even more important than the interview, if that's possible, is what the onboarding looks like. You can identify the perfect applicant who is now your employee But as an organization, if you do not create a positive onboarding experience, that employee's success is going to be diminished to some degree because of that. So we I've seen companies before where they find the ideal candidate, they start day one, and then the company just kind of steps back and 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 doesn't have proper onboarding in place, and it really is detrimental to the employee experience. So what I always say is make sure that you're prepared with what this the onboard is going to look like for a new employee. Really map it out. Map out a one-week, two-week, 30-day, 60-day, 90-day, and make sure that you're doing touch, you have touch points with the new employee to make sure that 
the experience is positive because so often from an HR perspective, I will have an employee come to me and say, I've been here two months. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't have support. And when I go to the hiring manager to let them know, they're surprised to hear it because they're not necessarily checking in on a regular basis. And it's such an important thing to do with a new employee. And really, it's an important thing to do with any employee. So even when the person has been with your company for, let's say, six months or a year, still making sure that you're doing those touch points to see where they are and and what they may need. Yeah. So, I mean, what we like to do on this podcast when Troy Foster is here, but of course we're without him today, is we like to give kind of some practical tips for those who are listening. Do you have any kind of like really just practical tips for what those touch points should be? Or what is what is your ideal onboarding process from your experience? What are some things that you should check up for? Maybe time frames that you should check in on? Yeah. So can you just let me know that? So there's not one onboard that I recommend. Each position is so specific within a company. It really deserves its own onboard schedule. And those schedules look different depending on the applicant who's joining as well as the position that they're coming into. And so, I mean, I feel like a lot of the things that we end up talking about on this podcast all come down to these individually tailored things, whether it be questions for the role specific, not just general interview questions, or these touch points throughout the onboarding process that are really individually tailored to the employee and making sure they're integrating in the company well. But can you tell me why, what is it about this whole overarching HR policy that makes it flawed? Why is it such an issue to when you don't individualize for the employee or the role? Well, I think each company has such a specific culture and a specific mission statement and specific needs. And I think it is would be doing an injustice to just have one generic way of handling HR when there are differences within organizations and you really need to be able to articulate what those differences are and then tailor your approach to fit the given company. No, I think it is incredibly important to understand that each company is different, each individual is different, and really making sure that your approach highlights the individual and the role they will play in uh, the overarching company, not the other way around. So can you tell me, what are some of the main things that people do reach out to you for when it comes to what, what, what typically type of emails do you see in your inbox people asking for help uh, for their organization? Sure. A lot of time, a lot of times companies will reach out and it, they're coming from a place of, we don't currently have an in-house HR person and we want to know, are we missing anything? So they want to send us, let's say there are some of their policies, their employee handbook. Um, Basically they want to let us know how they're doing things and then have us evaluate that and say, okay, here's where I think you're missing some things. So it's more of a place of the companies kind of don't know what they don't know. And there are a lot of regulatory and compliance pieces surrounding HR that if you're not in it every day, you just don't know what they are. So that's where we're able to come in and evaluate what you currently have in place and then say, hey, here are the things that I think need to be added or here are the things that I think we need to make minor tweaks to to make them more um, more compliant. Fantastic. And I mean, one of the great things about the interview process is hiring new employees and working with them. Now, <laughs> you have a very, very important coworker that typically would be here, but he's not here today. 
after someone gets the job, they do become a coworker. And let's hear a little bit about working with Troy. I don't know if you listened to the April Fool's episode, but he says he has quite a different perspective on uh, workplace demeanor than yourself. Since he's not here, let's hear a little bit about who Troy Foster is and what it's like to work with him. Well, I have worked with Troy now since 2014. And what I love about working with Troy is that he creates a fun work environment and there really is a need for that, right? So we all know there's a job to be done. And when we go to work, we know that we need to complete certain tasks, but it makes your experience as an employee so much more pleasant to be able to have fun and joke around and, and enjoy your time at work because I always say we spend more time with our coworkers sometimes than our families, right? So it needs to be a culture and an environment that you enjoy. Otherwise, you're going to be miserable going to work every day and and no one wants that. Yeah, I mean I think the least productive people are the ones that are most unhappy. So even in a For even sure. in a business perspective that that fun environment is uh it's a, it's a good business decision to create that and to foster it. So, sure. you know, the question I'm going to ask is, is when has Troy created too fun of a work environment? He says that you're the one to call if you want good advice on proper workplace etiquette. He's the one to call if you want to have some fun and pay the uh, consequences after. Maybe not necessarily the specifics of it, but how many times do you see yourself kind of pumping the brakes on Troy's ideas for a fun workplace? I definitely have had those encounters with Troy where, and it's funny to think back where we have to sometimes remind him that we are at work um, and certain things are not appropriate. Although Troy is always pushing the boundaries, but also he's so good at what he does that he's, he knows where the boundary is and, and I have not seen him cross it. So, Troy, if you're listening, I'm just going to say you should be quite afraid of it becoming legally speaking without Troy Foster. But again, Liz, thank you so much for coming on. I hope you all enjoyed listening and we will see you next week. I can't ask what's on next week because Troy's not here. So it's going to be a surprise and we'll find out uh, when we release the episode next week. Liz, have a great day. All you listeners, enjoy your weekend. (laughs)